So I'll tell you why I'm here, and then I'll tell you why you're here. Besides for the good food. It smells really good. Can you make it a plate? No, I, I, I just had. I made it myself. Um, so what I, what I do is I help parents who find themselves in really, really terrible situations. Situations of usually pikuach nefesh. Life and death situations. Really bad stuff. And it's, it's very heartbreaking that families, so many families, are dealing with these type of things where we have children that are really not well, that they don't want to live on some level. They don't want to live. Some of them numb it with drugs. Some of them numb it with other kinds of activity. But just, you know, it's, it's sad to have people in this world who are just not happy. They're just not happy. And that can come along with a lot of problems. And um, what I try to do is give guidance to parents because it's a very confusing world and it's a very confusing topic. And a lot of people, when the kid would be physically ill, they would never say, well, if you're not going to be healthy and normal, then you can't live here. But you can have people suffering. You can have people struggling with anorexia, let's say, and parents will say, well, if you're not healthy, you can't live in this house. Like, whoa. If you're not going to shtel tzu, conform, you know, you can't be here. People are struggling and have all kinds of issues and emotional pain and problems and everybody gets lost. And a lot and, and a lot of people have been lost because of that confusion. A lot of kids have been lost, have been locked out and pushed away and rejected because the parents don't have guidance or it's confusing. Sometimes the parents don't know that the person who's misbehaving is really in pain. It's kind of not their fault, because a lot of kids don't even say, hey, I'm in pain, you know, I got issues, and that's why I don't want to toe the line or whatever it is. So they just look like troublemakers. They look like, you know, Ali um, Taiva, whatever the words that people think. It's a misunderstanding. So what I do is I give guidance to parents to to love their children, to accept their children, and to be the parents of these children, not the parents of somebody else's children, not the parents of only the children that they would have, you know, they drew in their little picture book. We have to be the parents of the children that Hashem gives us. And it's hard. It's hard. You know, if you if you have a motorcycle family and one of your kids becomes an accountant, it's hard. You know, they want everybody wants their kids to be like them and it's difficult and that's part of nature. And we have to rise above that. We have to rise above the challenges and and do what the Ratzon Hashem is and keep our kids alive and healthy and stable and and give them parents who are proud of them for who they are. None of these kids are Jeffrey Dahmer. None of them murder anybody, don't kill anybody, don't hurt anybody. They're just on their journeys and usually very good and caring, loving people. In their journeys, some kids, especially in the teenage years, can get really confused, you know, really their life is so down that they can get hooked on drugs, which is really dangerous. They can get taken advantage of. They can put themselves in dangerous situations, disappearing, going out at night where bad things happen. And they have no fear or, or they don't care. They can dress. Forget about sneers. We're not talking about halacha. We're talking about promiscuous. We're talking about gayim don't dress that way. And it's, you know, it's embarrassing, but it's also, they're in danger. 
And they just, you know, it's hard to figure out what are we supposed to do here? Because normally you would want to control them and tell them you can't walk out like that. And if that would work, I'm all for it. The problem is it doesn't work on these kids. So people get confused. And they say, oh, we got to, if you're not going to do this, then we're going to, it doesn't work. So after helping hundreds and hundreds of families, I developed a system that at the very least, it doesn't not work. <laughs> I hope it's going to work, but at least it doesn't not work. You know what I mean? It's like I always tell parents, you already know what not to do by the time you come here. You know what the, what does not work. You could have a logical, wonderful sit down and let's discuss this and talk beautifully, scream and yell or talk loving. Either way, it doesn't work. So now what? What do you do when it, when, when it doesn't work? So that's basically what I'm here for. I, I give guidance to parents when things don't work. In Klal Yisrael, there are a lot of families that when the normal doesn't work, the normal tough or the normal love, you know, like I was just on the phone with a father, never in so much pain, because, and, and he's, I don't know, if he, he decided to like send me a nasty voice, not one of my, I don't know the guy. And I'm like, whoa, chill, look, what's bothering you? He has a daughter that went off the derech, and he doesn't understand the aleph base of the sugya. So he's stuck where a lot of parents were before. You know, he he wants her to die. I mean, it's not a joke. And he and he's his blood pressure. He's he's in so much pain, and he's like, so what do you tell parents? Look, look how much pain she's causing me, and we, and you should say nice things about them, and parents should let them do whatever she wants. I'm like Nebuch, but what's your way doing? You know, he's eating him alive. It's it's a whole parsha, a whole story, and he's just so angry. So parents know what doesn't work. And so many parents are told, you lock the kid out of the house, you sit shiva. Not really, but you know, basically, whatever happens, happens. You did the best you could. There are some parents that don't want to do that. There are some parents that are saying that we want to save our kid's life and we want to, we want to beat the odds. We want to beat the odds. Because last year, 2017, Klal Yisrael buried over 230 neshamas. Kids under 35 years old. Means you have parents burying kids. You guys are a little younger than me. And when I grew up, that didn't happen. Over 230 parents from parents just like you buried their children in the ground. It's like crazy, insane. Overdose and suicide. About 50 suicides and 177 uh, overdose. It's a crazy world. It's a crazy world. So that's what we're up against. People really die. People really kill themselves. People feel rejected and, 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 and do crazy things that are unhealthy physically, emotionally, and spiritually for sure. So that's what I do. And the reason that you're here is because in my, in my own journey of helping so many hundreds of parents that have come to me, I realized that it's very hard for the parents as it is, and it's even harder when they don't have proper support. So there are two messages that you're here for that I want to give you, and I'm sure you you may be totally on board, but I just I do this so that way it should be clear. We're starting a treatment model. Twisted parenting, my mahalach, TP. It looks like, oh, just give her whatever she wants. That's not the amkus. That's not the depth of what's happening. And it's a treatment method. And when we start this treatment method, I need you guys for two reasons. The first reason is, I need you to support these parents. 
there's no greater pain for parents than to be in this type of situation, and they need support. And a lot of parents complain to me that their support system around them, they don't necessarily mean bad, but they just ask, like, you know, are you sure this is the right thing to do? Are you positive? You know, and it's like when you're trying to lift 500 pounds and someone gives you a little poke, it just it just kills them. So if you have any questions, you know, speak to somebody else, you know, call me if you need to, but don't question them. Now, that doesn't mean if you have a better idea that you shouldn't tell them. If somebody chooses, they have a sick child and they have to choose between all the different hospitals and all the different treatment, and they decide we're going with Dr. Goldberg from NYU. So if you find out that there's another doctor in Columbia that has better success, of course, you have to go ahead and say, listen, we should check out Dr. Columbia guy and switch hospitals for sure. But if you don't have a better guy, don't go and say, are you sure Dr. Goldberg? No, no, no. It sounds very strange to me. Like, don't have that conversation. Say, you did your research, you buy a system, you're doing a treatment, and we support you. And it's crucial because I have so many parents in so much pain because other kids who are healthy or healthier, right? Questions, and I don't understand, but why? But parents are kids that just grew up. They need support also. And if you give them a hug and say, I'm very proud of you, you chose the hardest mahalach in the world. My mahalach is the hardest, for sure, the hardest. And they did it because they did research, and they feel that this is going to have the greatest chance of Hatzlacha. And they feel that this is the Ratzon Hashem. Everybody has a Rav involved. They have a Rav, so we're not doing, you don't have to worry about the Torah. Their Rav is a very, very harsh of a Paisik, and he's going to, any questions you have, you're going to ask the Das Torah, and they're going to pass him. So you don't have to worry about Hashem, the Torah, Halacha, and you don't have to worry about about what's happening here. Just support them. Hope that you're never in the situation. Hope that you never need to know. And that's it. Because a lot of people, because they know, to them it's a, a nice discussion to have, but you don't realize when you're talking to parents, it could hurt them. So be proud of them. They pick the hardest Mahalach because I think we have the greatest success rate. I think so. And it's hard. Look at them. They're going to teach you what it means to be a parent that doesn't want to give up on their children and that is willing to be embarrassed and it costs money and it's, it's difficult to work on their own midas and to not control her the way that we would like to because it doesn't work. And to do a long-term care of project to be a to our hearts so she should stay alive, so she should be healthy and stable. That's the first reason that I, I want families to be here, to support them, to, to say, what can I do to help you? I'm so proud of you. Pitch in. The second thing is that when someone is drowning, we need everybody's help. So I used to work with just parents, and I realized, you know, it's too much for the parents. We need help. But you're all family. You're all a part of this person's life. I can't call her and say, hey, you want to go out tonight? But you could. So here's what happens. Imagine if you're all on a boat in the middle of the ocean, having a great time, and then all of a sudden, a kid falls off the boat. So what do you do? Do you say, listen, we're having a great time. We're not going to disrupt the whole family. You know, it's okay. We'll continue going. No. You stop the party. You turn the boat around. And everybody gets involved with saving the person. What happens if 
you have someone in the family that has physical illness. They're, God forbid, Rahman cancer. And they're in Sloan Kettering. So do you say, I'd love to visit her, but I live in Lakewood. I can't travel an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half. It's parking. I have a family. Well, I'll see you when she gets comes to the next Simcha. Unheard of. For a family member, unheard of. Part of life is Bikr Chaylam. So Rup Shmuel Kamenetsky told me, and it's really Pashib Shad, but it's good to hear it from him. The same way it's a lav in the Torah to ignore your relatives, Mibsarcha al Tasalam is a separate lav. Right? I'm not going tonight to visit all the people sick in the hospital because I can't. But if it's a relative and I don't go, it's a lav. Mibsarcha al Tasalam. You have to help the people in your family, special Khiv in the Torah. If they need money, you can't just give them the same dollar as a stranger. You have to help them. If you ignore them, it's a lav. If you ignore them, physical health, financial health, it's a lav in the Torah. Said Rabbi Shmuel, it's Pasha. Any kind of pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, people feel disconnected, you're not allowed to just go on with your life and say, Shalom Yeli, my life is good, I'm busy, I can't, I can't get a babysitter, I can't, I can't. You can't, you have a crisis. Hashem put, Hashem, put somebody within your reach who's hurting. And you can brighten them up. You can brighten their day. You have a chiv minatayu to do it. The what to do and how to do it, that's a different story, but it's mipsach al-tasal. So you have a relative now in a tremendous amount of pain. If you look, if you, if you understand it, if you don't understand it, you'll understand it. If you get into it, you'll see this, this is a problem. We have a major, major problem here. I only deal with major problems. 90% of the calls that I get, I don't take. Because they're not bad enough. This is unfortunately, unfortunately, this is really sad. It's really sad. It's a holocaust. We have families losing their kids. Families who are, they go to sleep at night and they don't know, is this kid going to make it? To a chuppah. Forget about chuppah. Is this kid going to make it? When is the phone going to ring and I'm going to find out that the kid was killed or died? You can't sleep like that. You can't breathe. This is mamish. It's it's horrible. Such nice people. And they raised such a nice family. I don't know all of you yet, but you seem like nice people. And to have to deal with this, is it's really, really hard. And now they're embracing a method of extreme, extreme, extreme embracing and support and acceptance and boosting and supplying and being there with no rejection whatsoever. Because they did their research and they feel that this is going to help. But you can all help. Because when you go to visit the patient, it's not like when they're in the hospital and they're relying on the doctor and your visit is just to make them smile. You're actually part of the medicine. You are the medicine. Think about what is your connection to this neshama from one to a hundred. And make sure over the next year that you raise it significantly. Connection, not love, not how much you care about her, not chas v'shalom, if there's a levaya, you're going to come and cry. So many people say, oh, I love, I love, I love my sister. When was the last time you spoke to her? When was the last time you went out for a meal? Nah, but she won't want. If she won't want, it's because she feels that you're rejecting her. And you have to figure out a way to build a relationship, not just for crisis, to be a part of the medicine. So think about what is your connection, daily connection with her? And realize that I've proven, and we've, we as a, as a community, 
<laughs> as a group of parents have proven that connection saves lives. The world is waking up to that. The world is changing. The therapy world is changing also. I spoke to a top from therapist, a guy that I know, he's friendly with my nephew. He's very good. And five years ago, we were clashing on a call for an hour. He didn't get what I want. And he was doing therapy and therapy and you can't you can't support, you can't give money. If they're going to use it for drugs, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. I just saw him a few weeks ago. I said, how's business? What's doing? He said, I stopped doing therapy. I just do trauma work. He realized that the therapy wasn't working because the, the source root of all of the misbehavior is not, it's not like an adult that has a problem and it's causing you to act out, so let's talk about the problem. A lot of the root stuff is deep childhood trauma and he's doing only trauma work. And that, and, and he doesn't even want to hear about the word therapy and he was a top therapist. So the world is changing. They're realizing that we're losing too many kids with these rules. Shita, can't give money if they might use it for traif. Yes, you can. Can't give money if they might use it for drugs. Yes, you should. Because we have a greater success rate of kids getting off drugs than any rehab in the world. So we have to go follow the, the smell, the trail of success. And we gotta, we gotta pitch in and make it work. So if everybody here in the room realizes Hashem gave me a relative, a neighbor, a nephew, a cousin within my reach to invest in, to invest my time, it's an investment. Invest my time and my effort. I'm going to make sure my my nafshek shura banafshay, my NKN level, my nafshek shura banafshay level is going to go from whatever it is now towards a hundred over the next few months, years. Make sure to stop by the house and then buy a gift and purim. Stop by. Some of you can text. I haven't seen you in a long time. Let's get together. Some of you need to apologize. In every family, that's the way it is. Some of you need to say, "Oh, I'm really sorry. Last time I looked down at you, or whatever." Make peace. And, and get get yourself involved in her life. If we had a team of people that would all be nafshik shur benafshay connection at a hundred, then she has the highest chance of survival. In all ways, we can win everything. Hashem. Of course, it's always scary because it takes time. And in the meantime, she's in danger. In the meantime, in the meantime, meantime, we have to daven really hard that this medicine will work and that she should be safe until it works. As we've seen so many times, I have over a hundred kids today, Shemitar Mitzvah. And why am I so proud of Shemitar Mitzvah? Because when parents come to me, the, we don't know if the kid will be alive. So if you're Shemitar Mitzvah, you have to be alive. There are a lot of people that are not alive and there are Shemitar Mitzvah, or they don't know they're alive. But really, technically, I think if you're davening, you're alive. So let's understand. We want them alive and then healthy. You have to be very healthy to, to, to want to be religious again after you weren't. It takes a lot of energy. So that's the goal. The goal is alive and healthy. I'm not a Kirov center. I'm not Isha Torah. But it happens to be that we believe, I believe, that the best life is a from life. She'll choose that if, if, when she's up to that point, how she wants to lead, lead her life. But we can be successful. But in order to do that, we got to pull her out of the streets. And the way you pull someone out of the street is not by locking them out of the house. That pushes them into the street. It's so weird. They push them in, they lock the house. That's exactly, I want to do the opposite. I want to make the house so comfortable for her that she should want to spend time at home, that she should want to spend time around the family. And the fact is, without getting into the why and the how and the where, when you tell someone to shteltsu, to conform, to dress up, they just don't feel comfortable around you and they disappear more. So I would rather have a kid at home in their underwear than telling them, you got to do this and you got to do that because 
Bottom line is, they end up spending more time at home if you don't criticize. I, they're not sneezing and they're not normal. We have boys that are home, living at home, walking around their house in their underwear. No, no shirt. No undershirt. And I tell the parents, Nebuch, that this is where he's at. Don't worry, it's going to change. But look at it like, wow, what happened to this kid? That's why, that's the way he's comfortable. But I'd rather he be comfortable without telling him to change because the other way, he's going to be home much less. And where is he when he's not home? That's not what we want. So we're in a tug of war with the street. We're in a tug of war with the street. We're in a tug of war with the other side has a lot of power. And we have to make her feel more comfortable at home than anywhere else. So we buy a huge television. It's very hard for them to buy a huge television. That's not, they're not the TV type. Buy a huge television so that way she should know and understand this is your home. We know this is what you need. This is what you like. We got it for you. And the message is, the same as all the other messages, we're not against you. We really accept you. And we want you to be comfortable here at home. That's what we want. We want you to be comfortable here at home. And she will end up spending more time at home and being more calm at home and more happy at home. And that's all good. That's all good. That's the first step. And then we're going to buy her her clothing that we would not want to buy. But a parent has to supply your children with clothing. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. You're a parent. You can't take away the parents. You can't disconnect from your child and say, I'm not supplying you if you don't dress the way that I want you to. There are some people that think, I'll be tired, you're not allowed to. We have Paiskim that say that's not a problem and that we should because the connection is the most important thing. So what we're finding is that when we just calm people down and supply them, they don't need so many drugs. They don't need to disappear so much. They're less vulnerable to the street, to the bad people on the street. And they just push it, successful. I could say we are very successful. They end up spending much more time home where they're safe. And we turn ourselves, twist ourselves into a pretzel and turn ourselves inside out in order to make them comfortable even though we are not going to be comfortable temporarily for a few months or for a few years, whatever. However it is. We are willing to do that to save an Ashama. We are willing to do that to save our daughter, our niece, our sister, our friend. That's what we're willing to do. It's giving up a lot. It's giving up a normalcy. People like to go to sleep, shut the door and go to sleep. Now it's leaving the door open. When is she going to come home and being home with a smile to greet her and being up with a smile? It's missing minion and missing davening and missing learning. It's investing to save this child because we can because there's a huge chance of being matzliach. In the same way, we would never give up on somebody, even if they're physically ill. We don't sign a DNR. Do not resuscitate. We never do that. Over here, we have a huge chance of winning. So we have to do everything that we can. Everything, and everything, everything, everything that we can. And people are going to look at you funny when you walk around in the street with her, even if she's not sneistic. Or even if she's smoking on Shabbos and you walk with your arm around her, people are going to look at you funny. But you know what? It's not 1986 anymore. Now they're going to look at you and going to say, wow, they're strong. Wow, that's amazing. People today have tremendous respect for the parents who don't write off their children. And we're following in the Derech of Ruf Steinman. He said very clear what to do. And Gash Nadelstein, and a lot of Rabbanu. And we're trying our best to save kids, to save theirs. And that's how you can help. The two ways is to support, continuously support these people. Nebuch, poor parents, 
They didn't, they didn't ask for this. To give them the support, to be mavater, not to be jealous, and not to, just to give them chizuk, to do whatever they need to do. And realize that it's not just because they love this girl and they don't love you. They would do it for any of you if you got sick, chasr shalom in any way. They would, they would want to be there for you. And to support them and to get connected to this girl and as much as she would let, spend time with her. And if she's not going to let, then make the connection. Write a letter, bring some flowers, buy some jewelry. There are ways of winning people over. Make it your life's mission to get connected to this girl. A chas v'shalom, not to say, I'm too busy with my life to care about those who are dying around me. Chas v'shalom. And in that chus, Mir Hashem, we'll all be zaycha to all the brachas that are written in the Zayra Kaddish and all the Svarim, all the brachas that happen to people who go out of their comfort zone to be makar of people, to be good to people, to save people, all the brachas in the world. The biggest bracha is, it says in the Zayra Kaddish, that the people who do that will have Yiddish and from their own children. I find it ironic that there are people who won't do this because they're worried about their children's chinuch. Why can't you rely on the Zayra Kaddish? It says that you're going to have bizaycha to see Yiddish and from your children and your grandchildren. Haftacha in today's dar. By going out and running after the sinners and buying them by Agar Shlim full price with love. Like Aaron Akain. And that should be, that should be a motivational for us. It's an investment. How do you become rich? If you buy Google stock, IBM stock, you're not going to become rich. How high can it go up? If you buy a penny stock, right, and you spend $10,000 on penny stocks and then it becomes worth a dollar, you made $50 million. We have to invest in the people when they're at their low point. If you're a part of it, if you're a 2% partner and you're a 4% partner and you're a 3% partner in her rehabilitation through connection and love and fun, then when she lives, you saved her every single day. She's alive because of you. And whatever she does in her future life, you get credit for it. So it's a way to become rich. That's why the tzaddikim always gave up for Nachayid. Tell you a quick story. Aaron Cutler, about 80 years ago, in Lakewood, there was a boy smoking on Shabbos, and they said that we have to throw the boy out of yeshiva. So the guys in charge went to speak to Rabbi Aaron. Smoking on Shabbos. What should we do? Rabbi Aaron said, next week is Yom Kippur, don't do anything. Make sure, bring him here for Ni'ilah. So can you imagine, what would you think? I would think, wow, we're going to bring this boy in for Ni'ilah. Rabbi Aaron is probably going to get up before Ni'ilah and give a fiery schmooze. He's going to rip the kid to shreds or inspire him. Maybe he'll call him up and he'll rip open the parachus and give him a safer Torah. I don't know, but he wanted him there, Nila. It's going to be something amazing. Came Team Kipper before Nila and the boy came. And the way I heard the story, it sounds like he was smelling from smoke and he was dressed not appropriate. And he sat somewhere in the back. When Nila started, Rabbi Aaron Cutler went to the Baltfila and said, go without me, don't wait for me. He walked down from the front, wherever he sat, and he went to sit next to this bachar. He put his arm around him and he started schmoozing with him. How are you? How's life? What's doing? How's everything? Not one word of Musr. No taichacha. Nothing. Just schmoozing. He missed Nila. He sacrificed Nila on Yom Kippur. After Yom Kippur, the Askanam went over to him and they said, Yilamdeinu Rabbeinu. I mean, I don't understand. If you were going to do something Nila, Dick, that we needed Nila for, I could understand. But just to schmooze with him, 
You could have shmuzed with him before Yom Kippur. You could have shmuzed with him lastly. Shmuzed with him after Yom Kippur. Just to talk to him, what was the purpose? Right? If you have a Hatzalah call during Nila, you have no choice. But why would you plan a Hatzalah call during Nila if you could do it before? Baron said, I willingly, willingly sacrificed my Nila because I wanted to impress upon this kid that he means more to me than my Nila. Wow. Rebaran understood that if someone is smoking on Shabbos, that they don't feel that they're important. And he understood the medicine, only medicine that he came up with, not to throw him out, give him medicine. Someone has strep throat, we should throw him out of the house, give him medicine. What medicine? Attention. Not Musr. Didn't look down, he didn't say, how could you smoke on Yom Kippur? Because that doesn't work. He showed him, I care more about you, the Mechal Shabbos, the Mechal Yom Kippur, who ate on Yom Kippur, I care more about you than I care about my Nila. The Bacha realized, whoa, the Gadol Adar is willing to sacrifice his Nila for me, so I'm not a piece of garbage. I'm not worthless. He was Chayzeh B'Tshuva. He saved Darius. What are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice Nila to go and schmooze with someone who's struggling? Are you willing to sacrifice a regular Marav? Most people not. Are you willing to sacrifice going to a shir or going to spend time and eat or spend time even with normal life? Are you willing to sacrifice? We have to be willing to sacrifice to save those that are drowning. Byron Cutler did that. You know who else did that? The base Israel. The guy Rebbe. Very, very from guy. By Sisul. And he was in Poland before the war. And there was Zav Sakinger. They had like a three, four hour break. That's why I'm a Gera Chassid. You get to go home and go to sleep. And he was outside by Zav and he found a Machal Shabbos. Machal Yim Kippur. And he spent the rest of the day schmoozing with him. He missed Mincha and Nila, Betzibur, Beyat Beyechidus. He didn't daven. Mincha and Nila on Yom Kippur. Marav, I guess you could daven later. So he said, why do you have to daven? Why did you have to? What? Why didn't you tell the guy, listen, I'd love to schmooze with you. Today's Yom Kippur. I'm a little busy. Let's make an appointment tomorrow. He said, no, this is an opportunity. This is a, this is more chashiv to Hashem. That's what the Zayar Kaddish says. Hashem gave me an upgrade. Instead of just doing the avoda of davening, Hashem gave me an upgrade to try to begin a relationship that maybe I'll make the guy for him one day. It starts with friendship. I'm not giving that up on Yom Kippur. He looked at it as a schus, not a downgrade. I didn't give up. I got a chance to get more money. If you get paid $30 an hour and your boss says you want to do something for me, I'll pay you $100 an hour. It's not called giving up. It's an upgrade. Before he died, he was very sick and he looked back and he said, this is one Avera that I'll never regret. One Avera, quote unquote, that I never, that I'll never regret doing. And then he added, even though I didn't accomplish anything. It would have been such a nice story, right? And because of that, Jim Kipper, his children became Gerachasidim, and he has Dairisa from the Gerachasidim, and said, I wasted my time. I lost the account. He was Makar of a lot of people, right? He didn't accomplish anything, and I still don't regret it. I would give up my Nila to save a, a life and have generations. Would I give up my Nila knowing, let's say, that I'm not going to accomplish? He did. He didn't mind. He said, I... I, I I'll never have charot on that. You gotta do the right thing. And the right thing means putting people before you, even your ruchnias. It means giving up. Giving up. Yeah, I would like to go ahead and do this and this, but I have a relative who needs me. 
There's somebody who, who needs me to make them smile. Making these type of situations, girls, boys, in this situation, making them smile saves lives. Making them smile millions of times and laugh and giggle and watch TV with them and take them out for fun and have fun and fun and fun and fun is a medicine that allows them to feel connected and loved and then they are heroes. She will win. She'll be strong enough to fight those battles. But as a session, and that's what we're all about. But it needs an army. When I had Home Sweet Home, that was a home I opened for boys who were homeless. And I had, nobody nobody was paid. That's why I think we were Matzliach. I didn't get paid. I was funding the place. And I worked there full time. And all the volunteers, nobody was paid. I had 30 volunteers, plus Shabbos hosts. I had an army of people that I got interested in helping these kids. But every single night we had guys come and take them out for fun, for fun, for fun. The whole thing was fun. There was no therapy. There was no AA. And there was no Kirov. There was no learning. There was no Shachas Menchamarev. And you can look. When we closed up, I made myself pictures, albums. You can look at them. They walked in. Low life, drug addicts. They're all clean. The clean date for all of them, is the day they moved into Home Sweet Home. How do you stop drugs without any... Nothing. No nurse. No doctor. Just me. They cleaned the day they moved in. Nobody ever went back to the street. And 90% of them left completely shemitar mitzvahs within one year. We realized, fun. Give them happiness and fun and laugh and don't look down at them because then they won't go out with you. And spend your time and invest and give take your meister money and give it to these wonderful people to go and save their daughter because it costs a lot of money and go on vacations and trips and don't worry and don't think about anything else. And Amir Tzashem, in a year from now, I don't know if she'll be in Home Sweet Home, it worked much quicker. With, with, with TP, I see it takes many, many years. But you'll see, we'll be in a better place in a year from now. We'll celebrate the victories, but as a Sashem, she'll be healthier, more, more, just, you'll see a different person. You'll see the spark in her eyes of wanting to live, like being happy with life. Because believe me, she would trade places with all of you. The kids like her, they don't want to be that way. They really want to be happy and healthy. And they want to have a future. Right now, she does not have a future. Right now, she's not thinking, oh, I'll get married, I'm what kind of a guy or a girl or who knows what. Right now, there's no future. So let's do what we know works. It's wholesome, it's pure, it's Kaddish, it's Tahar, to first create the relationship if you don't have it, and then utilize, use that relationship to be in her life. She should be so busy, maybe make a WhatsApp chat or pick her up and come up with an excuse. Oh, I happened to see you. Oh, let's go out to eat, you know. I, I missed your birthday. Develop relationships of fun and trips and eat and spoil her. Could you use your Meister money? Ask your of. I have no Shaila in the world. What better use of Meister money? Take her to an expensive restaurant. Take her out for fun. And as with Hashem, in a year from now, we're going to look back. We're going to say, wow, we have a totally different matzav on our hands. I hope, I hope, I hope. Okay, so that's why I'm here, and that's why you're here. So now, do you have any any questions? Usually people have the same questions. Usually it's like, what's going to happen? All of a sudden, one day, she's going to realize tonight that everybody's calling her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, how's that going to happen? Everybody's, everybody's like, going to knock on her room door tonight. Hi, 10 o'clock, 10.02, 10.04, Right? So it happens naturally. I don't, there's no prescription for that, but I've had sometimes 30, 40 people sitting here, and it just over the next two or three weeks, it just happens. 
I can't explain how. Don't old text her right now. But it'll happen. You'll you'll tell her, you drop by the house, say, oh, can you do me a favor? We need you to babysit. And she'll babysit. Then you'll come the next day and say, you know what? We're not going to pay you for babysitting. But we decided we got a, uh, we won a $100 gift certificate to, to whatever, Glad a la carte or whatever today's fancy restaurant is. We want to go out with you. Would she go with you? Sure, why not? Then you, you move your relationship from 12 to, to 40. And then you keep it going. And then you come and you say, I don't understand. You went out with them to go, what am I, chop liver? When am I going to go out with you? And she'll be like, okay. Yeah, over the next month, she'll realize everybody's being really nice to me. It's not such a bad thing, though. But do it in a natural way. Not a chesed project. Don't make, like, you know, big shech, you know, bracha, you know, on lahadlik ner shel kiruv, you know. Don't, you know, don't make her feel like a chefet shel mitzvah or a project. Just in a natural way, realize that she fell off the boat, she is slipping away, and your job is to have shaykhs with her. That's all. That's all. And she probably won't. And if she does, you'll say, yep, yeah, you know what? Our family just became very nice lately. And if you have to, just to cover up for it, be nice to each other also as well, <laughs> just so she doesn't think that it's just her. I know it's hard to imagine, but only in front of her, you know? Like, <laughs> behind her back, you do whatever you want. But just in front of her, show her that. And the family should just become more achdos, more, more together. You know, get together once a week for a barbecue or, or, you know, just make it work. Start doing stuff that's just an idea because you all love each other so much and you're all exactly the same. <laughs> and so, you just, just, you know, just bond, bond and enjoy each other's company and then she'll feel more comfortable if every Sunday is six o'clock is barbecue night and every Thursday is pizza night. So people popping by, I want her to have family and fun and only laughter, no criticism and no advice. Don't give her advice. I know it's hard. Should I this? Should I that? Bacon trust. Bacon trust. Brothers can do a little bit, but not in a critical way because she's going to just shut you out. Just say, I don't know, but whatever you do is great. Let's have fun. Let's let's give her opportunities to have good, clean fun with us. Even if it's not so clean, with us. That's, you know, I always tell my volunteers, the way they act, like we will go out with the guys and they're cursing and they're whistling to women on the street. They're totally inappropriate. I said, that's the lowest behavior with us is the best behavior when they're with their friends. That's like the top. It just goes straight down from there. So I'd rather that they're inappropriate with us. And when they were inappropriate with us, after a couple of months, they just started acting appropriate. They stopped cursing. They stopped, at least at the Shabbos table. Just things are all of a sudden, they started wanting to be like us. Six months later, they were just like, okay, Home Sweet Home is a microwave of love and fun. So it just happened really quick. But still, over time, we're doing battle with the devil over here. The street wants her, and we want her. So we can win this. One other thing, and it's very, very important. We should divide up the whole Tehillim every day. Everybody say five or ten kapitluch. And the parents, you could split at the end whatever's left over, 15, 20. Mm-hmm. Ask your, your Rav, very chash of a Rav, that he should say the last one. It's also the smallest one. It's not a big deal. Tell him we're completing the full Sefer Tehillim every single day as a schus for our daughter. Maybe you can give him a Tehillimul and you can write the name on it, a schus, whatever, for your daughter. And ask him to say the last one. You have two rabbanim. You have Shiva and the Rav. Ask them both. It's okay. And we should say the whole capital to him every single day as a source for her to have a refuah shalema, to be saved from all of her problems on all levels, whatever they are. Some that we know, some that we don't know, but we know probably are there. 
really, really difficulties. You know, somebody like her, if you think about it, and all the kids who are in so much pain, since the Holocaust, we haven't had kids who are in so much pain. We had like a, after the Holocaust, we had like a quiet time. As far as I know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, we didn't have hundreds of people in the psych wards and on medication and wanting to die. And now Hashem, it's like, there's so much pain in the world. So much pain. And we don't really see pain. We see the problem. Oh, drugs. Oh, you know, promiscuity and, and not sneeze. And we think that's the problem. It's, it's coming from something much deeper. And I believe that Hashem wants us to do this to save these children for our, for our sake, not just for their sake. It's our Avedis Hashem to save lives in our own homes, to act like Hashem, to use the Yud Gimomidis Rachamim. It's okay. I have Racham and Chan and Ercham Payim and Rav Chesed, even though she just spit up all over the thing. It's fine. It's fine. Not a problem. Or my shoe. And your shoe. I have, I have extra pair of shoes if you need. And just, you know, nobody can take that away from you. You know, even if you don't know which way is right, one way is yelling and screaming and kas and gaiva and, and Lashon Hara and Rechilos and, and hatred. You know, it's just all bad, all evil, which is happening in so many homes. And our way is, we're trying, Derech Shalom, Derech Herodach Inayam, Chal Shalom, using the Yugamumid Sarachamim. You can't, you can't go wrong with that. Using godly midos. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's the parents that they're doing. They're working on their own. You want to kill her? Patience. Kill her tomorrow. Rachum. Chanun. Erechapayim. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. But we're, we're extending it. And we're extending also the mercy that parents have on children. We're showing that we're not giving up on our kids no matter what. And that is the greatest schos kerachim of abanim. Kain terachim Hashem aleinu mida keneged mida. The more that we parents extend what it means to have rachmanus on a child, even though we give up money and even though we give up our covered, and it's embarrassing, it's hard. But this is my kid. So kain terachim Hashem aleinu. So too Hashem will have rachmanus on us and help His children in all ways. Okay, so the three questions that we have now is, what about your own ruchnius? What about your children being exposed to this type of thing? What about if the extended family does not accept her, so then should she go to family simchis? So let's, let's, they're not going to accept her when she walks in dressed for going swimming. They're all going to stare. So I mean, the third, we'll do the third one first. The first thing is, it's, that's why I do these meetings, and that's why I'm going to give you the recording to send to those people, because we have a problem over here, and, and if people are not going to be on board, then, then we're not, she's not going to feel comfortable going to family weddings and simchas, and when you feel uncomfortable around family simchas and weddings, you lose out on the whole pull, because if you, if everybody would just listen to me for the next couple of years, we have a very big chance that she'll, she'll survive. And if not, then everything becomes an issue. You know, it's not just, let's say she doesn't know that there's a cousin wedding, so she wouldn't even feel bad. But she imagine if she would know and go, and everybody would dance with her and make her feel loved and accepted, you could save drugs. You could save, you could, you could help her from being, from cutting herself. Or, or being anorexic. Not, not talking about her specifically, but cure of works. Feeling that you're part of a community is important. So it's not just the offensiveness that, that people are going to look down at her or that she'll feel uninvited. It's, it's what a lost opportunity to take somebody like, we have kids who five years ago 
were really messed up. And the, when they came to the family wedding, the family danced with the kid in the middle. It looked like a big Hasidish family dancing with one of the waiters. That's what it looks like. But they did it. And everybody said, wow, it's amazing. That kid today is from. That means he's alive and he's off drugs and he's from. So what, the fact that we can't do that when she shouldn't come means that because we have to we have to let people understand and before Simchis the parents can call up the relatives and say listen I know it's hard for you but um, my daughter's coming and she's not going to be dressing exactly the way that you would have liked please be Makar of her and you have to call up all the different aunts and uncles you know the loud mouth and the cynical one and the jokester don't make jokes there's always the one that makes the right joke right we had one kid see the Shaboy and he, he came into the house and his sister was there Nabuch dressed like she was and he said oh Banyo Clini Clinio de Florio and he like as if she's the house you know the, the Puerto Rican housekeeper you know he, to him it was like very funny you know you dress oh she dresses like that like you know so uh, it's not funny so we got to we got to tell the jokester don't make a joke at her expense because she'll go running out and feel bad. We got to tell the cynical one don't be cynical. We got to we got to you know the kanoi we have to call them out say please, and then you'll walk in you'll stand next to her, like a hawk you'll look around, and you'll give that face to that aunt who doesn't know how to keep her mouth shut, and then you'll tell we've done this many many times, and the the general rule is when people see that this kid has a mommy and a daddy, that are caring for her. And that are sheltering her, they usually stay away or they say nice things and they fall into place. But you may have to do that beforehand. But we should look forward to these family simchas. Halavai, she should come. Halavai, she should be healthy enough to come. And then we should use that as a tremendous care of opportunity. And that's why if everybody, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention it before, but one of the milas is if everybody does what I'm telling you, she will end up coming to more simchas. She will end up coming to the Hanukkah party and to the whatever you guys do, you know the Purim Suda and the wedding and the Bar Mitzvah, she'll end up coming because she really feels comfortable with all of you. And then when she comes and everybody else is nice, she'll feel more comfortable. In spite of the fact that she's not going to dress appropriately and she's not going to blend in, that's okay. We have to do ours. So yes, we have to share this thought process with the other people who are not here. Oh, what can I do? I can't control them. We do as much as we can. We try to explain to people what I just explained to you. I hope that they'll listen. But we're not going to keep her home and miss out on these opportunities. We're going to bring her to the to the wedding. And each one of you, because you're going to go out with her the night before to a movie. And you're going out with her the night before to a Broadway show. And you're going out the night before for pizza. She's going to be having fun with everybody. And you're going to sew with her or knit or do something that you want. I don't know exactly what your thing is yet. Okay, whatever it is. You'll bake with her. Okay? So when she comes into the chasana, you're all going to be like, instead of looking at a, a somebody who was supposed to be, you, you was written off for dead, you're going to go over and say, hey, Khani, or whatever her name is. Right, Khani, we're, we're um, so happy to see you. And you'll have stuff going on with her already because you're in her life. That's what the Nafshik Shur Nafshi helps. And if you can make a WhatsApp group and put her in it and put jokes and fun, it's even better. And everything she, she puts there, thumbs up and wow and great and let's get together. You don't just say, treat her different than everybody else. You say, come, let's all get together Friday, Matzah Shabbos, pizza, whatever. And this way she'll be part of family. We try to explain to people in a nice, calm non-violent way that we in our dar have a responsibility and an opportunity and a schus to save the struggling people around us. If that doesn't work, then we got to kill them. Then we have hitmen. And, um, but we don't like to kill. So we'll try our best. That's number one. 
I'll answer the first question. The first question was, what about my own Ruchnius? So, since I started working with kids off the derech, I sacrificed my own Ruchnius in a hundred different ways, and I just became a lot frumer because of it. Because learning Taira is Ruchnius. Giving up learning Taira is Ruchnius. Bonding with somebody to make them healthy and saving their lives is Ruchnius. So I heard at my Shabbos table, for me and for my kids, were raised with the F word at the Shabbos table. Because every time we got a new kid into Home Sweet Home, who wasn't, um, what do they call it when a dog comes in and they're not, a house, uh, there's a word? You're not, trained. house trained? No, there's a better word, right? So, domesticated. domesticated. Thank you. Yosef, Yosef? Yes, Thank you. So, um, you know, the new the new kid would come in off the street and he would be like, oh, F, whatever, you know, and I had four, I had one of my kids over there, cute little kids from kids, you know, and I told them, we don't talk like that. And they understood it very clear. We will go outside, we hear Gayim talk, we don't talk like that. They had no, ever, they no cheshik to want to say the F word. They were they were very happy to not say the F word and to know that there are words that we don't say. There are a lot of words we don't say. There's bathroom, right? Bathroom talk we don't say at the dining room table. And if someone would say a bathroom word at the dining room table, so all my kids are going to start saying bathroom words at the dining room table? No. I'll say, maybe one day he's going to learn. And all ages understood that and respected that and became very, very from because of it. And also knowing that we're willing to sacrifice to save people. If there's a child in NYU hospital or in Sloan Kettering, Rahman al And everybody would, of course, go visit that child. And imagine you have a very, very frum bachar sitting and learning in yeshiva. Mamash, the real deal, 16 hours learning. Never, when he goes in the street, you know, he's, he's feeling himself around. No, that's not good. He's, uh, somebody leads him by a collar <laughs> so that he doesn't have to open a very frum boy or a chasidisha boy, right? So, he has a sister in, in, in Manhattan. He doesn't visit her. He's going to go to his Rebbe. I don't want to go to Manhattan. I'm going to see things. I'm going to be with women in the train, in the, in the street. I have to go to Times Square. I have to go to, uh, nurses are there. That's not my level of Kedusha. What is every normal person going to tell him? You're right. It's not a perfect world. You now have to go visit your sister. And you have to sleep overnights there. And you have to pitch in. Your Ruchnius doesn't make you not a part of the family. Your parents have to get sleep. You have to pull your weight as a brother. I've never heard anybody say different. Will he have a Yerida? Will he have a Yerida in Ruchnius? A hundred percent. Just walking in Manhattan, you see the billboards. There are women without clothing on. He doesn't have that in Baba Matsya. Of course he's going to have a Yerida in Ruchnius. So therefore what? So you don't do what's right? Of course you do what's right. You have a Yerida in Ruchnius. And he needs, of course, every person has to ask their own rav and their own manhig and their own um, mashpia and their own rabbi what and where and when. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But it's not a concept of, oh, I can't do this because it's like I'm too holy. No, you got to get dirty. How and what? I'm not answering you. You'll ask your rav how and what for you and for what. If you go to movies, then go, go do a mitzvah. Take her to a movie. If you don't go to a movie, should you take her to a movie? Ask your das Torah. But if you do everything else, if you're going to do other things with her that's fun, 
then you don't need to go necessarily to a movie. But if you're really super firm, you're going to say, well, I don't go outside, I don't go inside, I go, I'm willing to learn Navi with her. You're not going to do anything. Okay, so you're going to have to at some point realize that you don't, you don't sacrifice your Ruchnius by going out of your comfort zone to be a Makar of people. But I, I can't give you a general uh, heter because you're going to do something crazy and it's going to be my fault. Oh, Avi said, you can go to Las Vegas for a month and whatever, because, yeah, it's Kirov. <laughs> People are nuts. Where do you want to go? You're in, you're in on Vegas, right? Vegas, here we go. Okay. So, bottom line is, bottom line is that, that it's a Shiloh, and there are answers to Shilohs. I once had a father that was here. We had the Belzer Rebbe's right-hand man, is the Shvile Pinchas, Pinchas Friedman, who's a very hush of a person. A very big, massive Talmud Chachum, and he's the right hand man of the, he's the Rosh Kailum of Bells. He learned six hours a day with the Bells of Rebbe. He's a very brilliant Talmud Chachum, he's a Chashim of a person. And most people know the Shvile Pinchas. It's a, Alatayra, he's, he's good. And there was a father that said, so, um, if I take my kid to a movie, so then my Ruchnis is gonna go down. So he said, yeah. So the father said, so I shouldn't do it. He said, no, you should. But my Ruchnis is gonna go down. Yeah. So I shouldn't go. No, you should go. Because well, what do you mean? He said, sometimes you have to figure out what's right, and you got to do it. And if your ruchnius goes down, then you do tshuva. <laughs> Either you'll be Ahmed bin Asayin, or you'll do tshuva. You have to take, for that particular kid, the kid was highly suicidal. He said, if your kid will go with you, bond with him, go to a movie with him. That's what his Das Torah said to do. And I, your ruchnius, we don't live in a perfect world. I can't go to work, because it hurts my ruchnius. I can't... You know, so yeah, it would be very nice if you could sit in your Dalaramas, but you have to go to the doctor, you have to take your kid to a doctor, you have to take your neighbor to the, you have to exist in the world, and this is part of existing in the world. How much and how vite and how often, that's, you have to go to your, your mashpia or madrich, mashkiach, whatever it's called. Could be that your das tire is going to tell you that for every hour you spend with her, you have to say an hour of Tehillim to, to count, maybe. I'm not against that. But make it, figure out what you need to do, but go ahead and do that. Now, I personally feel that when you do the Ratzon Hashem, you don't lose out on Ruchnius. That's me, silly, silly little me. I'm not like a Godel or anything, but I think if Hashem sends me on a mission to save somebody's life, probably He's going to take care of me. Rabbi Ram Shur has a shtickle that, that, um, people who do this ain't chet ba'al yodai, that they get protected. It's actually interesting. It's, it's in the book, in the last pages I wrote from Lekach Valiba, from Rabbi Ram Shur, who's not exactly Kabach. Okay, he's very right wing. And he has a shtickle that, that, um, what's the beginning of it? Kolha, whatever, Enchet Bal Anyway, he has a nice shtickle on this. And he talks about this. People are always worried that they're going to become less. All care of people. You're care of people, right? You don't expose your children and yourselves to, 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 uh, conversations that you wouldn't have if you had your, your brother-in-law over for a meal. And you only talk Tyra at your Shabbos table. I guarantee you, if you only talk to her at your Shabbos table, you ain't being Makar of one person. You, you're going to have to go down off of your holy thing to bond with people. Do they all come Tznias and they all come sing Burkh all the time? No, they, you know. You know how to do it. Why do you sacrifice? You know, Lubavitch, they sacrifice everything. Okay, so we're not Lubavitch, you don't sacrifice everything. But you sacrifice. Why do you sacrifice? Because you're doing God's will. Because you're not here to say that my boat is fine and I don't care that to the left and to the right we have hundreds of people drowning. It's selfish and it's not tiredic. And I haven't found anywhere that says to do that. So if you believe it's the Ratzon Hashem, you get a Shmira. 
And I believe that that's the answer for the children. I can't go ahead and tell you that your children are going to be fine no matter what you do. I can't give you a haftacha. But you got to realize, we have a situation. Hashem made this dar where we have people drowning and we have to be makar of them. I didn't have a haftacha when I opened my kids up to 35 over their, over their whole life, from 4 years old to 20, 40, 35 dysfunctional kids who were smoking on Chavez. People say, oh, if they're going to see smoking, maybe they'll go off the derech. Nobody gave me haftacha, and it wasn't my kids, and it wasn't my family. But I found that my kids got stronger and stronger, especially they looked, they looked at them in the beginning, oh, they're cool, wow, wow, wow. And then afterwards they saw they're so pathetic. And the only thing I did was every couple of months I would say, you see him? He would trade places with you. He wishes he was in fourth grade. He wishes. He's really very sad underneath. That's why Tati's buying him a lot of stuff. He's really very sad. And my kids grow up very deep. It's not so glorious. It's not so glamorous. You look, but you have to explain it to them. Rav Steinman said exactly what to do. Why can't we just listen to Rav Steinman? Steinman said that you take your kid over with tears in your eyes and you say, your brother, or your sister, your aunt, whatever it is, they're not doing the right thing. The smoking on Shabbos is not the right thing. And we have to know what Hashem wants from us. And Hashem wants us to give them so much love that they'll be the most comfortable around us because that's what's going to bring them back one day. Yeah. We're living in a dar where kids, they know by 10 years old, they know Chil Shabbos, they know molestation, they know therapists. I never knew what a therapist was when I was 10 years old. Today kids know everything. So so teach them. Be mechanach them. Be mechanach them. There are people all over that are off the derech. And our job is to be mechanach of them. And I think it's a lot less complicated than, oh, I don't want my daughter to see her aunt wearing nail polish and this and that. And you try to block everything and block and block. I had a kid in Home Sweet Home who, when he was still from Chesidah Shaboy, his father took him to Walmart and when he walked around, he covered his eyes. Covered his son's eyes. Okay, It didn't work so good. It's unfortunate. Our kids see and smell and, and hear things that we wouldn't want. And I invited it into my house. And it made my kids, listen, Siyat HaDashmai, right? But it made my kids stronger, stronger, stronger. They're very from, very erlich, and they're very understanding of pain. And we look, we feel bad for the people that are not like us. That's how I raised my kids. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, they're going to see that you can smoke on Shabbos. They're all going to go off the derech. Like, no. They saw that you could smoke on Shabbos, and we choose not to, because we're very happy being from. And we feel bad for them, that they don't have what we have. Imagine that you're raising your kids to all be skinny and healthy. You wouldn't bring a fat person in because they're going to say, oh, look how he eats pizza. <laughs> Everybody likes chocolate cake and pizza. So in the beginning, they're going to be jealous. And then you're going to say, yeah, but you know what? At the end of the day, they wish they looked like you. And that's exactly what I did. And guess what? It worked really well. So we don't know what is in plan for your children. But I would say, follow the Zayar Kaddish, the Baal Shem, the Chazanish, the Steinman, the Gersh, and Edelstein, and so many other Marmar claims that we have a Chiyav to be Makarv. Probably, you're only going to increase the odds that your kid's going to be okay. Because nobody knows anyway what's going to be with the next generation, with which kids. We have the nicest families, sheltered families, kids are popping off the derech anyway. So why not go ahead and at least be able to say, Hashem, you know, I'm trying to help and it should be a schus for, the, for our children to protect them. Nobody knows what's going to be. So let's do what we know is right with Mesir and Nefesh and, and, and hope and pray that we're protected. But there is no guarantee. There's no guarantee this way. There's no guarantee the other way. Who was the Tana that his, he used to dig wells and his daughter died in a well? 
right? And then he said, they said, whatever, and they did because his daughter shouldn't die the way that he did it. We don't always have this as galus revelation. Sometimes we have people in Kirov and they lose their kids, yeah? So you think if they didn't do Kirov, then they wouldn't have lost their kids, and Hashem is rewarding them for all their efforts by taking away their kid from them? Hard to believe. I'd much rather believe that this kid was meant to be whatever it was meant to be. They have the schusim for trying, and, and, and we don't ask questions on Hashem why it didn't work. So yes, we have to somewhat expose our kids, but we have to be careful about it. This is Avi Fishoff, and I can be reached at twistedparenting at AOL.com.